Hey, welcome back to The Soundtable. This is Austin from Make Pop Music, and I am joined by our co-host, Miranda. Hello. Today is episode 12, and in the episode today, we're going to talk a little bit about buying gear. Is it worth it to upgrade gear? What is worth spending the money on an upgrade? Things to look for when you're purchasing gear, because I feel like especially rolling into the new year after the holidays, people start getting wide-eyed for gear. They just want to upgrade their mics, upgrade their interfaces, upgrade compressors, buy a bunch of plugins. To be honest, it can just become this like never-ending money pit if you are just buying things to buy them and you don't necessarily know what you're looking out for. And I think that there are a lot of times that there are opportunities for people to invest money in a certain piece of gear that could get them farther. And rather than spending it on something that could be an absolute necessity for them, they get distracted and they spend it on something that is just ultimately going to sit in a corner and kind of collect dust. In the episode today, uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about, you know, my experience buying gear, what I regret buying, things that I've been really, really happy with, and then just kind of go through some of the thought process that you might want to keep in mind whenever you see some kind of new cool piece of gear or a plug-in come along before you actually spend your hard-earned money on it. So let's just go ahead and dive into this conversation. The first point that I kind of want to talk about in this episode is, is it worth it to spend money on gear? Where does that like kind of level of diminishing returns come along? There have just been so many crazy like advances in technology where nowadays you don't have to spend $10,000 on a microphone to get like a radio ready vocal. So that's kind of where I want to start. And then I think we'll just kind of naturally go into things that you might want to pay attention to when you are purchasing gear or upgrading gear or trading things in. So I do just want to say real quick, I think that nowadays you can make really, really great kind of release-ready music with very minimal gear, very budget-friendly gear. I don't think that you have to have a Telefunken 251 going into a Neve preamp, going into, you know, a really, really, really overpowered computer. However, I do think that there is this kind of like barrier of entry. So yes, we have songs on the radio that may have been done on a $100 microphone, However, there are going to be certain challenges that kind of come along with that. And if you're working on a lot of music or if you're working with a lot of different vocalists, some of the more budget-friendly gear is just not going to be as reliable. It's not going to be as consistent. And to be honest, a lot of it just takes a little bit of finessing. So it's one of those mm-hmm. things that like when I'm looking at gear, especially something that I'm going to use almost every production or every mix, I'm kind of looking for a few main features. And this is just what I like to keep in mind when I am either going to buy a new piece of gear or upgrade something. And that is, is the sound quality better, right? Like, am I buying this mic because it legitimately sounds cleaner? Do I like the uh, characteristics of that mic on my vocal? And then other than that, it's reliability. This is especially important if you're working with people in person. Like, I don't want to get an artist in my studio, plug in a mic and it have a blown tube Mm -hmm. or it have, you know, wiring issues or I have a preamp that won't send out 48 volts or I have an interface that's constantly having driver issues. So number one is obviously sound quality. Like, is that doing what you need? Number two is reliability. Because if you are working, especially doing this for a living, downtime costs a lot of money. And it's kind of a headache for yourself and everyone else that's going to be inconvenienced by that. So sometimes that's part of the premium that you pay for. Is like you are paying for gear that's more reliable. And if something happens with that gear, those companies have customer service initiatives set up to where they can send you replacements that you can kind of rent while they work on your gear, or they can, you know, you can take it to a local repair shop that might be familiar with fixing that. And a lot of the time they're going to be more familiar with the kind of higher end gear because that's what gets brought in. So you might just want to kind of have that in mind of what is the downtime going to be like if your mic goes out, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like also 
more expensive. Well, not necessarily always, but sometimes the more expensive brands have better warranties. Yeah, warranties is a big thing. Definitely something to look out for with stuff like that. Right. Really with any big purchase, not just gear, but since we're talking about gear. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's going to be hard for a company to want to give you a four-year warranty on a mic that was only $200. Like, they're not always going to do that. So it's not always going to be this massive, massive, massive improvement in reliability. But a lot of the time, higher-end companies will at least have those kind of factors in place for if things go out. They can kind of accommodate you because in their mind, they're thinking, okay, if somebody's paying a few thousand dollars for a microphone... They mean serious business. They cannot afford to not be able to track vocals for a couple days, so we have to get them a replacement ASAP. Rather than a company just kind of assuming, yeah, it was 200 bucks, but while you're getting this one fixed, just go get another $200 microphone from Guitar Center. Um, so sound quality, reliability. The next is like function. So I, I keep this in mind a lot when I'm talking about like more creative purchases. So not like your interface or your microphone or anything like that, but like if I'm buying an outboard synth, like what am I buying that synth for? Like, Miranda, you got me that Juno 106. Yeah, guys, I have bought gear before. So. Yeah, she she bought me that. And like she knew that I wanted that synth specifically for a couple sounds that it has. Like it's a pretty limited synth. It's an old synth and the technology is extremely dated in it. Yeah, it's from like 1986, I want to 84. Oh, 84, 1984. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty old. But with that said, like... I wanted that synth specifically because that synth has a sound characteristic that I want. It does mm -hmm. a style that I want. And... If you're going to buy gear, make sure that you're realizing what the purpose is for. And then right under that super vintage analog synth, I have a Polybrute by Arturia, which is a brand new, super complex synthesizer. And they're both doing very different things. Mm -hmm. They're at different price brackets. I use them differently. And so when you're buying something, if you're buying a compressor, why are you buying that? Is that really worth the two grand? Is that part of your sound? Is that something that you think is really going to improve your overall quality? Or is it just something that looks good in a rack and you know, can kind of impress people. Yeah, or you've heard like other people have it. So you're like, oh, well, I must need it if everybody has it. Right. But that's not necessarily true. Right. And also too, I think if you're tracking people in person, part of the experience of buying gear is mm -hmm. that you want to have options. Like when artists come in, right? If you're recording artists every day, you're probably going to have more than one microphone because you're going to be having male artists, female artists, rock singers, pop singers, R&B singers, acoustic guitar. All of those are very different things where you're going to need different mics, different sonic qualities, different um, just kind of creative palettes. But if you're rarely ever tracking other people, like I work in Orlando, I do a lot of remote work, but most of that is just me and my studio by myself. Mm -hmm. I have one mic that basically sits on my stand at all times. But you have other mics. I do, but I never yeah. break them out because yeah. like, that's what I'm saying is, you know, if, if mic, you're like me. That mic is also like a couple mics in one. True. Yeah. I'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into upgrading mics, but like, it's, it's just important to me that I can have one mic that basically sits on a stand at all mm -hmm. times that I can just drag over to my desk rather than going into my closet, fiddling with a bunch of things, but... If I have another artist coming over for the studio, yes, I'm going to pull other mics out. Yes, we're going to shoot them out. So keep that in mind. If you want to have a studio where you're going to be facilitating in-person vibes, you might need a lot of those outboard synths so the artist can kind of have a palette. You might need guitars. You might need microphones. But if you're working with yourself, you only need what you want to create. Mm -hmm. You don't have to kind of facilitate uh, basically like a room in a gear closet for other people to kind of use through you. And then the last little bullet point that I keep in mind when I'm buying gear and that I really recommend everybody keep in mind is like the convenience factor. And so this is something that we can even talk about with Miranda's gear is like if you're spending money on something, is it 
speeding up your workflow? Is it hindering your workflow? So like specifically when you're buying big pieces, like if you're buying a new uh, computer, is it worth the money? Probably because you're not going to have computer crashes. You're not going to have buffering issues. You're not going to have to spend a bunch of time in sessions bouncing stuff out. You're not going to have times where your computer doesn't start up and you have a session to do. Uh, and then just other things like, you know, do you have some kind of outboard microphone chain so by the time a mic gets into your computer you don't even really have to mix it if you're doing a lot of stuff and you've kind of got your production workflow like systematized then i think it makes sense to spend money on some of those things where it kind of removes repetitive parts of your process right Mm -hmm. like i just you eventually everybody should get to the point where in the creative process your time becomes more important than the money that the gear will cost. Yep. And that's kind of like the goal is like, if I'm buying something, I do think, am I going to be able to do more projects? Am I going to be able to pump out more songs? Am I going to be able to get something done even faster? Mm-hmm. And that's a big reason that you see these mastering studios have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of monitors and outboard gear and summing mixers is because they get to know that all very well. And yeah, their room might be a couple hundred grand, but they can also pump out 15, 20 masters in a day because they know their room. They know their gear. They've got everything set up. They've got everything patched. Efficient. Exactly. It's all efficiency. It's all just like having all of that streamlined. So when you're buying gear, even if you're buying something like a microphone, is that, you know, $700 microphone or that $1,000 microphone going to take you half the time that it takes to mix something like an SM7B or like a super, super, super budget friendly condenser? Probably. And, you know, if you're using that mic on a few records a week, that's 45 minutes here, 50 minutes here, an hour here that you spend trying to fix mistakes on cheaper gear, where if you would just, you know, invest in the gear, upgrade that gear, it's just a little bit more kind of mix ready and ready to go right out of the box or or at least, you know, once something gets tracked in through that. So keep that in mind. That's a big reason that people still use analog compressors and analog preamps and really expensive mics is because they don't want to get into their DAW and necessarily have to fix or overly mix something like a super, super cheap budget-friendly condenser. So keep that in mind because I think not enough people realize the amount of time that it can either save by upgrading gear or the amount of time that it can add to your workflow. Like I was Mm -hmm. just having a conversation uh, yesterday with another local producer, Micah, and he was saying the exact opposite. He wants to get more gear in his studio because he kind of misses spending time messing with, you know, different parameters, adjusting things by hand. It's a totally different creative process. And he and I are both kind of at the point now where we're not overly booked all the time. I'm not trying to pump all a production in a single day or anything like that. I kind of miss being able to, you know, fidget with a guitar pedal or dial in a synth patch by hand. But if you're trying to pump out enough records to pay your bills, those things can be massive time wasters. Mm-hmm. So just think about what your creative process is, how you're trying to optimize that. And if that piece of gear is going to take away time that you need to spend on something or add to time, but enhance your kind of creative flow. Yeah, it's all very person-to-person based, yeah. Right. Even like with video gear, though, with you, it's like Miranda has an issue with her laptop and then it becomes an, an issue time and time and time again. And it's like, at some point, could we make the money back that it spends her having to bounce shit multiple times, having to render shit, having to clear out space? We run a business and you can't have your things breaking down every day. Like, yeah. it's just one of those oh, things. Also, I will say, I tried to get... um Final Cut Pro, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, because it's made for Mac, and I was like, oh, let me try this and see. No, 
absolutely hated it. Nothing against people who use Final Cut Pro or against the program itself, but I'm just so used to using Premiere. I was like, this is going to take me twice, if not three times as long to edit a video. And I simply do not have that kind of time and don't care to make that kind of time. Honestly, I don't want to waste my time <laughs> trying to learn a new program. When I liked Premiere, it was just, I thought Premiere was giving me problems, but really it was my computer wasn't updated so it was making problems for me everywhere else well and that's a really good point too when people try to buy gear is like a lot of the time people just get they hear something recommended and they're like yeah let me go get this yeah it happens with me all the time you know running the youtube channel i get sent pretty much any plugin that's going to come out in the next couple months every company will send them over for us to try maybe feature on the channel and to be honest, like I don't even download a lot of them anymore because it takes a lot of, if you're going to purchase something or you're even going to download it and use hard drive space, you should invest the time into reading the manual, learning the plugin, taking time to learn it in and out. Which takes um, forever. Yeah, setting up your gear efficiently. I'll be honest, I have a $2,500 interface and a $600 sidecar for me to completely redo my studio that has been in my closet since august or september but we were so busy planning the course at that time and then the holidays came up and taking my studio apart is just a fucking nightmare so it's just been sitting in my closet because when you buy gear you need to make sure that you can afford the time to actually set that gear up learn that gear figure out how that gear fits into your workflow if it's outboard gear good luck taking an entire day or two to take your shit back together and wire it all where you only changed one thing is like keep that in mind when you're upgrading gear i see a lot of people just buy scents or buy plugins and they never even really download them or if they do they never get to know them so they kind of just sit on their hard drive and waste space or they sit in a corner of their studio and they collect dust and it's one of those things where it's it's really excited you get that serotonin rush when you buy something new and you think that it's gonna inspire you but if you don't have the time to actually sit down and find out how you feel about it it's kind of a waste of time and money yeah we've talked a lot about the kind of mindset that i think that you should have when you're buying gear just making sure that you're going to get that improved quality, whether that's sound quality or build quality and reliability. And then just making sure that it makes sense for your creativity, your space, whatever. Just not buying stuff because you saw it recommended on a YouTube tutorial or your favorite producer uses that microphone or that interface or whatever. I think not enough people actually think about the function that something serves in their studio and they don't think about the uh, diminishing returns of, you know, is a $5,000 interface with premium ad conversion really that much more worth it than a 1200 interface and then a bunch of other cool stuff that you could use so just keep that in mind but with that said i'd love to do a little uh segment where we're going to basically break down different areas of production that people spend money in talk about if it's worth it to invest more or less into that and where the kind of uh diminishing returns start so i, I do want to start with investing in a computer we've kind of already talked about that with miranda's computer uh i don't know if anybody on here uh, was like following us when it happened, but tw November of 2021, I had a computer go out that I thought had completely crashed. It just turns out my cat had like flipped a switch. And so <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I honestly probably didn't need to upgrade, but I ended up doing it. But when I was buying a new computer, it's really tempting to just like try to cut costs and say, yeah, I could probably get it done with 16 gigs of RAM or I could probably get it done with an i7 because it's way more affordable. But the thing is, now technology improves so fast. New plugins come out all the time. New systems come out all the time. I think that if you're getting your first computer, or if you're building one specifically for production, it is so worth it to just, that is where I would say spend your money and really invest. I think that 
especially in modern production, your computer is like the brain of your studio. And if you don't have a computer that can run a Cubase session with a couple instances of Serum and you can track vocals in real time, that's a waste of money. Like if Miranda had a computer where she could not even edit a Premiere Pro tutorial. I used to. It, yeah, it's a waste of money. I say back in 20, I want to say 2019, beginning of 2019, maybe. Um, when I first was editing videos, I was editing them on my like probably five-year-old at that time air but um what is it called in oh it was like almost seven years old because you got it macbook air yeah yeah it was a macbook air and it was so old and it ran so slow and so glitchy that one of our videos literally was time aligned wrong like austin's words were not matching up with his mouth because i had to watch it in such low quality that i couldn't even tell and someone comments and they're like, um, this is not a sink. And I was like, okay, I need to get a new computer. Yeah. And like the thing that people don't keep in mind is like, if you try to cut a corner with a computer, it is what we talked about earlier. It's going to fuck your workflow up. I saw someone say, which this is my logic, but I've never heard it like in this little phrase before. It was, what is it? Think twice, buy once or something like that. Yeah. It's like measure twice, cut once. Yeah. It's like, that's how I feel about purchases. I like to... Yes, it's going to be more expensive maybe, but it's going to last you longer than it is worth it just to buy the one more expensive thing the one time. Because if you buy, you know, a $600 computer or a $1,000 computer instead of the $2,000 one, well, if you need a new one in a year or two, then you should have just bought the $2,000 computer that's going to last you six years. Right. Or even when the the $1,000 computer is brand new, but you're like, oh, I can't really run a big session. Oh, I have to print my Sims and then do vocals in another session. It's like, if you're working a lot, I swear to God, that $1,000 you would have made up for in time. Oh, 100%. Literally, people It's buy comment, once, cry once is like yeah, my motto that yeah. I live by with everything in the studios. I, everything I, in general. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely done the whole like grinded my teeth, bought the cheap budget interface, bought the cheap budget microphone, the monitors. And then within a year or two, I upgrade that. And stuff like that does not hold value well. So you can't even resell it for a lot because it's so budget friendly that people are just like, I'll go buy it from Sweetwater or from Guitar Center. And that's another thing that we'll talk about specifically with like microphones is how gear holds value. But yeah, I mean, Miranda, you're totally right of like, you're going to be almost bitter that you spent a still large lump sum of money yeah. for something that is just not efficient for your needs, right? Yeah. Like you're not just writing a college essay on it. That MacBook Air might not get the job done. But now I think we've gotten to the point where computers have gotten so much more affordable. When I started producing... Kind of. They're still very expensive. Yeah, but Especially when I started nowadays producing... With, well, I don't know how it is right now, but I know when you were building your computer, graphic cards were very expensive because of like bitcoins and all that shit. Like the data mining? Yes. Yeah. It was like the graphic cards were so expensive. I'm assuming it's probably still like that. So They've gotten better. Yeah, but it's crazy. But people comment all the time on... The tutorials being like, how is your computer handling all this right now? Yeah, so I'll <laughs> go over my computer. I think my computer, I got it built by a local we guy We have a in whole town. video. We do. It. Yeah, we have a whole tutorial on our channel. But just a quick recap, I think my computer was $2,400 uh, mm -hmm. custom build. It is like, it's got a water cooling fan system. So it's pretty quiet. It stays cool and it runs efficiently. I've got an Intel i9-11900. K processor. I've got 64 gigs of RAM in it. Um, I've got a one terabyte SSD hard drive, and then I've got tons of extra SSDs and HDD hard drives that have like samples, sessions, libraries, etc. So my main computer is pretty compact in terms of storage, but since it's a desktop and it's a PC, I can always expand it. And now, to be honest, like when I get a new computer in a couple of years, 
I'll probably go Mac because they've gotten so much more affordable where like when I started production for me to build the computer that I needed with a Mac in my studio would have been almost 10 grand. And now I can get it for like under three. So, I mean, that's still an insane amount of money. But if you're trying to really produce commercial ready records and they're going to have a lot of tracks and a lot of effects and you're going to have multiple versions of it, just invest in the computer. Like it is really hard right now to make music without a good computer. So before you go buy a $2,000 microphone or you upgrade your interface, get a better computer. Like I promise you, you, it'll be more efficient. It'll save you so much time. Like learn from me of trying to edit a video on a MacBook Air. It was a struggle. You'll mess up everything like I did. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. So I say, yes, like invest in the computer. Literally max out your budget for a computer. I'll be honest. Like that is the one where I'm like the diminishing returns it takes forever for it to really start diminishing. That's like, what I was going to say. It'll last you forever. And a lot of computers you can build upon or you can get, I guess if you, not if you have a MacBook, like a like You can a laptop. still get external hard drives. That's true. Yeah, you can like build upon a computer a lot easier than most things. And plus, it's like your central hub for everything, like you were saying. you. Well, and you want it to be reliable. So yeah. like, you know, don't, don't buy a piece of shit computer that once it crashes, it deletes two years worth of sessions. Yeah. Also back your stuff up. That's something that we're not going to talk about in this. We've talked about that <laughs> on our YouTube channel, but just get something like Backblaze and an extra hard drive. It'll be 200 bucks for the extra hard drive. Backblaze is like $8 a month. And if your computer ever crashes, you don't lose tens of thousands of dollars worth of sessions. Let's move on to the next topic. And I think it's the second thing that most people need to buy when they are building out their studio or upgrading their studio. And that is your interface. So If your computer is the brains of your studio, your interface is kind of like the heart. Uh, If you want to record anything, if you want to hook up monitors, you have to have some kind of interface. It's going to be your audio driver. It's going to help latency. And to be honest, we've gotten to a point now where budget interfaces have gotten so good. Like you can go get a $300 interface and it's got really clean preamps. It's got a decent control mixer. It's got decent headphone monitor outs. So this is one of the areas that I think, especially if you don't have a lot of gear to plug in, if you only need one or two mic preamps, if you only need a couple lines out for one set of monitors, I say, especially if you're getting started, you want to get a good enough interface where you're not going to need to upgrade it immediately, but I don't think you need to go for something like a UAD Apollo 8XP that sits in your rack that's $2,500 or an RME UFX2 that's $2,500. I think at this time, you can legitimately go get something like the uh, Apogee Boom or one of the Apogee Duets or one of the more budget-friendly UAD interfaces for anywhere between like $300 and $500. And that should legitimately last you years until you start getting enough outboard gear where you need more preamps and more ends or a second set of monitors. So if you're getting your interface, I do think that there's a significant step up from getting something like uh, like a Presonus Audio Box or like a Focusrite Scarlet. Those to me are about as budget as you can get i would kind of skip those and i would go to that next bump up just a hair that's like your apogee your antelope your audience your uh more budget-friendly uad those are going to be the four that i think are worth the money in that 300 to 500 dollar range and then once you get from 500 to a thousand you've got the more kind of upgraded uad apogee antelope and audio uh, audience interfaces and then if you're going above you know, 1200, that's when you're going to get into your, uh, your RME, your, uh, you know, you'll get some of those like audio drivers that are like three, $4,000, like your links, you'll get the Apogee symphonies, you'll get the kind of bigger UAD systems that are expandable. But 
a lot of those that I just mentioned in that top premium price bracket have the same exact mic preamps and they're budget ones. It's just you get a lot less of them. Yeah, I guess it more that more uh, almost depends more on your workflow. Right. If you're only doing one set of monitors and one mic and maybe an acoustic guitar in at one time, sure, go for a two in, four out monitor uh, controller slash interface. Don't get something crazy. Like if you don't need 16 inputs, do not go get an Apollo 16P um, because you pay a lot more for that. So assess your needs. But if you don't have needs for crazy ins and outs, I think you can find a good budget interface from Apogee, Antelope, Audient, and UAD. The third thing that I think that most people are going to want to start spending serious money on in their studio, once you have a good computer and you have a good interface, is a good microphone. Specifically, if you are recording vocals or really recording anything. I guess if you're just mainly making instrumentals and beats and stuff like that, you might not need to invest much in this area. But if you're ever going to attract people, you need to have a good, solid quality, reliable mic. Um, so this is an area where I think the tiers are pretty significant. I think that there is a tier that is almost unusable, which is like really under $200 for a mic that you're going to be using on on vocals for a pop record or a hip hop record or even a rock record. You're going to be hard pressed. They're going to have issues with like really nasty kind of sibilant top end. The, are, the lows are going to be kind of muddy and undefined. And to be honest, the build quality is just not great on most of those. However, once you bump up into the kind of $300 to $500 range, I think it significantly approves, specifically with companies like Loughton Audio. We've kind of like worked with them and collaborated with them in the past. This is not an ad or anything, but they have a microphone, the LA220, that legitimately stacked up against a $5,000 microphone chain and a blind shootout ta- uh, video. testing video. We have a video. Yeah, so if you want to see that, go to our YouTube channel and check out the uh, five mic shootout. It's a couple months ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that old. And it is wild to me, though, what that $350 mic going through a $300 interface mm-hmm. sounds like compared to a $150 or $200 mic. Yeah. It's that, night and day. That was a lot of people's favorite one. It was really crazy. It was almost everybody's second favorite. Their favorite oh, yeah. was was my big daddy mic that we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I think 300 to 500, test them out. Make sure they work on your vocals because with mics in that range. Yeah, it really does depend. They are going to depend a lot more than something like a, you know, classic tube mic that sounds pretty great on everything. So make sure that when you're trying out mics, see if you can rent them. There are mic rental services where you can rent them for a week or two. Try them on your vocals. Try them on an artist that you work with. Make sure that they're not just going to collect dust and you're going to immediately want to upgrade. But even for your first mic, 300 to $500, I feel like is a good price especially if you're going FET. Once you get from the $500 to $1,000, that's also another tier. That's where you can start seeing some of the more budget-friendly tube mics. So the same company, Loughton Audio, has an LA320 that's closer to $700, $800. And that to me is like one of the best budgets you can get for a really good quality tube mic. It's a little bit warmer. The high end is a little bit silkier. It's going to be a little bit more forgiving on different styles of vocals or instruments. And that comes with a price. And you've got other mics, like you've got the Slate M01. That's kind of like, it's just a a small little, uh, you know, like not too crazy mic, but it does have software where you can try all of these different virtual microphones. Maybe that's your taste, maybe it's not. But again, that comes in at like 500 bucks typically. Sometimes it goes on sale. And then you get to the point where it's like between $1,000 and $2,500. That's where you're going to start getting more flagship microphones, like you're going to start getting the higher-end Lautens, the higher-end Lewitts, the uh, lower-end Telefunkens and Neumanns, and that kind of like $1,000 to $2,500 range. 
I think it's great if you need a mic that can basically stay up in your studio all the time and can work for pretty much whatever. Just make sure that, you know, it kind of gels with you and your style. And then once you get to 2,500 and up, that's really where you get to your specialty mics. So we're talking classic mics. We're talking really nice, expensive tubes. We are talking like handcrafted craftsmanship made in smaller batches, uh, typically companies that are working with great warranties, great service departments, um, or you're getting a mic that has really, really crazy features that are not common. So the mic that I'm typically using in my studio is the Lewitt LCT 1040, and it is an expensive mic. I think it's like $3,500, which mm -hmm. is definitely an investment. And I was lucky enough to just work with them. And, you know, they, they provided the mic and I've used it now for a, about a year and a half and I love it. Um, but the, it's not sponsored or anything. It was basically a try it if you like it, keep it, talk about it, yeah, whatever. Yeah, they just sent it to you to right. try, which was really nice. Right. But I have no, you know, like... Affiliation. Right. I have no obligation towards them to even right. talk about this right yeah. now. Yeah. But this mic is absolutely crazy. I was literally just telling a producer about it yesterday. Yeah, he and genuinely do, does love it a lot. He could not stop talking about it when he first got it. Well, they hit me up with the prototype and the concept. And what's cool about this mic is at $3,500, that's a serious investment. So this is what I'm talking about when you, when you think of function, right? When you're buying an expensive piece of gear. This mic is worth the price tag to me because not only does it sound great, not only is the build quality phenomenal, but with this mic... It's basically an FET mic and a tube mic in one. Now, if you know anything about microphones, typically you can get an FET, a good quality one for about one to 2,000, maybe 2,500. And then a really, really good quality tube mic is anywhere from 2,000 to 5,000. But even within that, those mics have very singular characteristics. Like a U47 sounds like a U47. A U87 sounds like a U87. But with this mic, what's cool is you can swap between FET and tube and within that, you've got different modes. So you've got dark, saturated, clear, and warm. And they all sound wildly different. And you can even dial in the balance of FET and tube. So yes, you pay $3,500 for a microphone, but it sounds great. All of the modes individually sound great. And I get the flexibility of leaving this in my studio. I can use it on acoustic guitar. I can use it on tambourine. I can use it on male vocal, female vocal, hip-hop song, rock song, the price tag is worth not having to always take a mic off of my mic stand, not always having to do a shootout of seven different mics. I love this thing. And that's what I'm talking about of when you're buying gear, especially if it comes with a premium price tag, why are you paying that? Is it simply because it sounds good on one thing? Is it because it can speed up workflow? Is it because it is just built to last? So my microphone, and I think most people's microphone should be some kind of combination of all of those because the microphone is a, a core essential piece of any modern music studio. Mm -hmm. Yours is also versatile. Yeah, versatility is huge. But I so, think that's kind of hard to find normally, right? It is, yeah. yeah. So like, uh, Lua does it. Loughton also does it. Loughton has a couple microphones. Like, I think they're Atlantis and they're Eden, mm. where they have different uh, models and different characteristic modes. So things like that. Again, if you're going to spend upwards of $2,500 for a mic, and it's not going to be something like a vintage tube mic that is just like world renowned for that one signature quality, like a Telefunken 251 or a Sony C800 or whatever. Versatility, I think, is huge because if I'm buying a modern microphone for $4,000 and it only does one thing, I don't know. To me, it's just, it's almost never worth it personally. But maybe I just don't have the money like that. Maybe I'm just not ready for that kind of gear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is all very personal. Right. And, uh, yeah, I think if you're ever recording vocals, invest in a good mic. Also, we kind of hinted at it earlier, but it takes for fucking ever to mix vocals recorded on a bad mic because you're fixing low end, you're fixing top end. Did a video on that too. 
Yeah, it's all <laughs> and like you can you can throw the kitchen sink at it and it will never ever ever sound as good as a good quality mic tracked well with nothing on it. Like I can literally plug in my Lewitt or even my Lauten Audio. 220 and 320 for that matter, even the cheaper microphones. But since they're good and since they work for me and my style, maybe it takes a couple plugins and they're ready to go in the mix. I don't have to fiddle with it. There's no, you know, issues that arise later on my mix. I've got to know them very well. Rather than if I use something like, you know, this SM7B that we record the podcast on, it's kind of a fucking nightmare to mix. Yes, I can make it sound workable. But again, I don't want to spend 45 minutes mixing a vocal. I want to spend five and yeah. just move on. Yeah. That's one of those things where it's like, in the beginning, you might have more time to be able to spend on it. Right. But then eventually your time becomes more valuable. So you yeah. have to invest in pieces, which I know you've already talked about. Right. But like if I've got an artist in here and it's taken me 30, 40 minutes to get a workable tracking vocal mix on them, they're going to get fucking annoyed. They're going to yeah, be like, who wouldn't? this is a professional studio. Like or this should be plug and play ready to go. Even if you do that on a break, well then congratulations. Now you've just spent 30 minutes of your time doing something instead of taking a break and like eating food or whatever. Right. Or that like, time could be spent doing something creative. Yeah. Like at the fun. end of the day, <laughs> your mic needs to sound good, but nobody really gives a shit about that on your recording. Like yeah. as long as it sounds usable, unless they're an audio nerd, they don't care. They don't care if you use the 251 or a C800 or a Lewitt LCT 1040 or a Loudon Audio Eden. As long as it sounds good, they don't give a shit. Spend that time doing more creative stuff where you can really kind of put your stamp on it. Um, so yeah, that's my kind of thoughts on a microphone. Let's talk about monitoring next. Um, monitoring is one of the things that I think stresses everybody out the most. Yeah, it's so freaking expensive. Not only is the monitoring itself expensive, but to get even expensive monitoring to sound good requires room treatment, acoustics. Yeah. So this is going to be all, we could probably it's do like a whole a, episode on fucking monitoring. Yeah, it's like a never-ending loop <laughs> yeah this is that kind of like diminishing returns sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill never endingly yeah. kind of for me monitoring is that in my studio i'm pretty good with all of my other pieces of gear but monitoring is always something that i feel like could be better and maybe that's because i've never bought thirty-five thousand dollar pmcs that are built into my <laughs> wall i don't know but here's the thing with monitoring is if you're trying to do serious commercial ready mixes it can be very hard to compete if you don't know what you're hearing. And so with monitoring, you get cheaper monitors. Like I've had the Presonus Eris. They were great. People used the Yamaha Rocket or the Yamaha HS5s. They used the KRK Rockets, whatever. Like if you can learn your monitors and you can get to know them and you can reference, that's cool. The issue comes with different monitors will have different high points and low points. They're all going to have different frequency responses. They're all going to have different time responses. They're all going to have different uh, saturation curves. And then within that, where you're listening to that monitor dramatically changes the response. So I used to be in a studio that was 11 by 11. Now I'm in a studio that's about 15 by 15. And the room sounds totally different. And my monitors within the room sound totally different. And when we moved into this house, before I put up any of my treatment, it was almost impossible, even with me having $2,500 monitors and a $1,500 sub and room correction software that I had tuned up. It's just, it sounds like shit still if there's nothing in the room to help that. And so you can spend $400 on monitors. You can spend $4,000 on monitors. And if you have not fixed your room around that, it's kind of all a waste. Unless you just want monitors to play out loud while you produce. Mm -hmm. Like I know a lot of people who are just like producing, making beats, tracking people. And they're like, I'll do the final mix somewhere else. Or I'll do it in headphones or send it out or rent a studio. That's cool. Like at that point, you just need to vibe. It doesn't matter what you use as long as it feels good when you're working. But if you are mixing, 
You need to have an environment that is tuned. You need to have an environment where the monitors that you've selected work. They work for the style of music that you work in, and you get to know them really, really well. And to do that, it can take months of trial and error. It can take thousands of dollars worth of monitors. It can take thousands of dollars worth of room treatments. So we can talk about my room right now. I am on Focal Shape 65s, which are a pretty lower to mid-level monitor. Like they're not crazy. I think they're 1100, 1200 bucks a piece, which sounds like a lot of money, but compared to some of the high, high, high-end monitors, these are still pretty budget-friendly. I have people that literally do production on the side that will pop them in because they sound great. I have those paired with a Focal Sub, which was about $1,400. And then within my studio, my studio is 100% treated with GIK Acoustics. I worked with them. We had like an acoustician draw up the room and it was six or $7,000 worth of room treatment. So we're talking about, I'm sitting in a room that's well over 10 grand. That's not including the interface, the A to D conversion. Uh, I've got a couch in here that helps with some of that. Kind of like curtain. room balance. I've got soundproof curtains. So we're talking about if we, if everything that's going into just me hearing music coming back to me is taken into account $13,000, $14,000 worth. And even that, my room still has pitfalls. I still want to add more clouds to my ceiling. I still want to add more panels around. There are still issues where there are going to be bumps and spikes. I still want to get newer monitors that are better. And this can be one of those areas that seems like a never-ending upgrade. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're getting started with monitors, one of the easier things to do, we actually just did a YouTube video on this. It's like you can work in some kind of headphone, especially if you're trying to mix. So I've That's had an issue with... Yeah, I've had an issue with my sub right now, and I got to take it into the shop. And so to check low end for the past couple weeks, I have been using like the Slate VSX headphones because there's decent bass response in those. I can reference along other sides. There's a couple rooms in there that sound decently similar to mine. And you can get something like those for like 500 bucks rather than, you know, 11,000, 12,000. And you know, a lot of people won't love working in headphones. It's like, it's a trade-off, right? Like I love feeling the sound in a room, but at the same time, I can do that when I'm producing. And it, once I need to make nitty gritty detail decisions, that's when I have to move to something like the VSX if my room is not in perfect condition. Yeah, because you used to work out of the living room out of our one bedroom apartment, which yeah. we obviously did not have treatment for. And it was Super just, asymmetrical in shape. Yeah, it was like open, like living room, dining area kitchen all open in one area and then just your desk like right there yeah and you just had to work in headphones and then i think the next place you moved into you did get your own room and you it was like a huge learning curve yeah like, huge having to learn how to work with treatment for one and have everything playing back to you out loud you yeah. had like shitty little like logic what is it logic tech logic tech yeah yeah logic tech speakers that you just are supposed to use to like watch youtube videos in like an office like not made for mixing and then or, i got the personas eris fives that honestly oh yeah, for the I price sounded pretty good but they were so small they had like no sub response whatsoever which was cool because i was working in a you know shitty one bedroom apartment where if i had any bass the neighbors would hear it but then when we moved to our apartment, our next apartment uh, that was in Boynton Beach, that was when I upgraded to the Personas or to the uh, Focals. And I did not have a sub with them at the time because, again, I didn't want to disturb everybody in the neighborhood. Yeah, we always lived on like a second story kind of vibe. But going from story. that set of $400 monitors, because I think the Aeris's at the time were like 200 or 250 bucks a piece, 
to like a $2,000 monitor setup was huge. So I wanted to talk about monitors in this video because if you are thinking about upgrading, I do think that they are a great investment. I think it's one of the things that can speed up your workflow the most. It makes production more enjoyable. It makes mixing more enjoyable. It makes translation easier. But with that said, this is where the buy once, cry once really comes into effect. Treat your room first and then figure out what monitors you like within your space with the treatment that you can put up. So I think try to treat your room, get some panels up, get some absorption up, get some bass trapping up. And once you've done that, then you can do what you do with the microphones. You can rent a monitor. You can see how you like them. You can test them out in your space. Um, and this is an area that I think you do get what you pay for. Like, What a coincidence that he wants to upgrade his monitors, guys. <laughs> I do want to upgrade my monitors, and but I'll be real And he's talking about honest. that one's worth it. He's trying to convince me how much he needs it, I think. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> at the same time, though, the monitors that I want are like 10 grand. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, like, this is really where my buy once, cry once is going to come in. It's like... Yeah, he's trying to... I'm not going to spend it just up. yet, but... Maybe whenever we need a big tax write off, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll upgrade to that. But that again, it, it's it hurts my heart because I like I'm okay with my monitors and my in my room right now, but I know that for me to get a significant upgrade, I can't go from this like you know four thousand five thousand dollars setup to something one step up. I got to like go all the way up to the highest in Genelex or some PMCs or something like that. And this is not going to be like a slight upgrade. If I do an upgrade, it's going to be like big commercial facility, full range monitors. Mm-hmm. And so. those are just unfortunately so expensive. Oh yeah. 10, 10 and 10,000 is like the lower end for that. That's those get up to like 40,000 for a pair. Yeah. Which is insane. That's like more than my car. Oh yeah. That's crazy. But anyway, monitors uh, d- don't get too obsessed with them because it is, it is hard. Like that is just one of those things that you have to figure out how to work with. Yeah. Um, but if, you know, if you are limited on budget or limited on space, something like a headphone, specifically like the VSX, um, I do think work pretty well. This is not a sponsor or ad. I just think that they're a cool tool. You know, I just remembered, remember in our, that, um, well, technically our second apartment, we made your, what are they called? Uh, like absorption treatment. panels? Yeah, we made yeah. those and we had them hanging around the apartment in the living room and stuff. Oh, and they did like nothing. No, uh, they probably did a little bit, but I mean like not, probably not worth the effort that we put into Yeah, we it. were talking about, it was basically one big room that had a kitchen, a living room, oh, and a dining room. Oh, we can cut all this out. I was just... Oh, I, I kind of want to leave it. It was oh, funny. Okay. Like that's part of the trial and errors. Monitoring to me has been the one thing that I've just never been... 100% like this is it this feels right like my mm-hmm. microphone I love my interface I loved it until I just needed more so now I have the RME but I assume that I'm gonna love that my sense I love those I don't regret any of my purchases I don't even regret my monitoring but it's one of those that I've just I've never felt 100% about I think it yeah but are you not worried that you're gonna spend $10,000 and then still not still feel that way maybe but I think the I think that the threshold for like worth it purchases is still within that range where let's hope (laughs) yeah i mean it'll be a while before i upgrade those but again in your defense it is like the most expensive part to upgrade so wanting to upgrade and actually like doing biting the bullet and doing it is that's hard yeah especially when you can like spend that money to do i mean literally anything Oh, I could like build out a room for a studio for 10 grand and like fully treat it and like... You could buy like a bajillion microphones, you could go on a vacation, you could buy crazy new wardrobe, you could buy so many things. Yeah, furniture living room. Yeah. Whatever. You you could buy so much. It's like... But the thing is, is like 
it speeds up the workflow, right? I get mixes done faster. Mixes are done easier. Oh, yeah. They're better quality. I can then work with bigger people because now I have the uh, like connections in my pocket to kind of like upgrade artists that I'm working with. But at the same time, spending 10 grand, even for somebody like me who's been doing this for seven years and like, you know, technically speaking, has the money to upgrade, has a really hard time wanting to do it. Yeah. Um, it's so, hard too because your brain automatically goes to other places of other things that you could buy. But it's not really a fair comparison because like this, it's like a Yeah, job. Gucci sweater's <laughs> not making me money. Like, well, I mean, I don't think that would be the first thing I would think. But right, I'm just saying. Like, own. it's just an example. Like, I yeah. could go to a couple Magic games, but those don't make me money. Right. Unless I network at them and then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, network with the... Any Magic players need a uh, yeah. music producer? But anyway, I just... I, I wanted to talk about gear because we don't talk about gear a lot. I'm not a very gear-forward producer. I'm not always buying stuff and selling yeah. stuff and trading it out. Because to be honest, my time is more precious than the tools that I'm working with. And I don't want to have to learn new shit every time I, I just get a little bit ADHD and want to bring in something new. Yeah, plus there's so many people who do do that, who like do product reviews and stuff like that for gear. Right, like, like it doesn't benefit our channel. It doesn't benefit my workflow as a producer or a songwriter. Yeah, it's never been your workflow anyway. I love gear, but at the same time, like, I'm also, yeah, my space is 15 by 15, but it's a small 15 by 15 because I've got a closet door. I've got an intro door. I've got panels everywhere. Yeah, these panels are huge. Like, yeah, in my dream world, I'd be working in a room twice as big and I'd have a wall of scents and I'd have a closet full of microphones and I'd have built-in, you, you know, think that. Maybe PMC you'd, speakers. You might not even like that. You don't even know. Right. But again, don't don't upgrade gear at a pace where like you, you know, you kind of like outgrow your space and that's like a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But, it's easy to get like starry-eyed about gear and want it. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, just like really pay attention. Why do you want it? Do you want it because you think that it's going to like make you a much, much, much better producer? Because if so, like it's not like, or just because it's shiny and new. Because I feel like even when you were younger and you first started, you definitely were more like that, more like, oh, I need this gear. Like, oh, this is what's going to set me apart. Like, this is what's going to take me to the next level. Like, I need it. That or even think of like, oh, this picture, like this would look good in my rack for like a picture on Instagram or like this will impress somebody that comes in. And it's like, don't do that. If that <laughs> if if you're working with people that care that you have an LA two A in your rack versus not in your rack, like that's the wrong person. Yeah, like, maybe don't work. With send those them to a people. commercial facility and work with people that want your creativity and not just necessarily only your gear. If that's yeah. not what you're doing, but yeah, that was a little conversation on gear. I think this will be one of the shorter episodes, but we're kind of getting the new year started. We we took a little bit of a break for the holidays, and I think yeah, we're, sorry guys, <laughs> we're kind of rolling this out as like a new season almost. We've already got a few guest episodes finished and like ready to release so we've got platinum coming up we've got busy works beats coming up we have a couple other guests that are lined up but i don't want to you know necessarily shout out yet and then uh as far as topics let us know on instagram what you guys want to see us talk about especially Mm -hmm. these solo episodes with me and miranda um and then other than that if you want to support our podcast make sure that you like it rate it do whatever on spotify apple podcasts wherever you're listening it really helps us out a bunch helps us boost Uh, And then other than that, if you want to see any of the tutorials we talked about in this video, head over to our YouTube channel, Make Pop Music. If we remember, we'll link them in the the show notes. Yeah, I'll try to do that. And then other than that, if you want to support us, you can head over to our website, Make Pop Music. Uh, That is where you can find updated episodes. You can find all of our YouTube videos. And then we've got a bunch of free content on there. So samples, presets, all kinds of really cool stuff. And we have some paid content. So we've got sample packs, preset packs, MIDI packs, uh, and we have a brand new start to finish production course. It's like 14 and a half hours, 76 lessons. I walk you exactly through how to produce a song for a paying client. 
And uh, yeah, you can find all that at makepopmusic.com. But I just wanted to do our shout outs. Before we go, let's do our recommendations of the episode. I saw Miranda just get really wide eyed. She doesn't <laughs> have forgot. one. Okay, my recommendation, if you follow me on Instagram and have ever seen one of my Instagram stories, is not going to be surprising. But it's my new matcha kit that Aus- matcha bowl, I guess, that Austin got me for Christmas from this little company in Canada called Sugar House Ceramics. I think it's a brother and a sister doing it. It's like real small company. Um, but they make beautiful ceramics. They make this beautiful matcha bowl and it has a little it has a little spigot. So like when you pour it, it actually pours nice and doesn't like splash everywhere out of like a bowl. Right. It's like a really pretty like matcha colored checkerboard pattern. Yeah, it's called matcha is the color. So it's like beautiful green. Yeah, and it's like checkerboard. They have other ones like squigglies and like other prints. Um, But yeah, I had the checkerboard one and then I have little mugs from them too that are like squeeze mugs. So they're like no handle. It's like squeezed in on the side. And they're again that checkerboard and he got me like a blush color and then like this like golden goldenrod color, I guess you could, I think is what it's called. They're so beautiful. They're all handmade, and I love them so dearly. Uh, it was a Christmas gift, so kind of a I didn't technically buy it recommendation, but I yeah, wanted I bought it though. It's all the same. Way. Yeah, I wanted it for so long, and I love them. So if you're looking for any ceramics, they also make coffee mugs and dog bowls. Yes, or, so. and art supplies if you're a painter. Oh yeah, and art supplies. So definitely check them out. Cool. Now it's my turn. I think my recommendation, since we're at the start of a new year, and I know most people are trying to do like uh, like new habits or trying to get like better at self care. Uh, is going to be getting some form of like a daily planner slash journal slash habit tracker. I used one from a company called, I think it's pronounced Papier, but it's spelled like Papier. It's Mm -hmm. P-A-P-I-E-R. So I'm going to say Papier because it sounds fancy in French. (laughs) It sounds right to me. But it could be Papier. Um, And I just use like their daily, uh, I think it's called like a daily planner. And in it, you've got your week at a glance where you can kind of put all your important to-dos for the week. You've got habit trackers for the week. So I'll have like drink water, meditate, uh, exercise, check my emails, um, learn Italian because me and Miranda are trying to go to Italy. (laughs) And so you can check that off every day. And then you've got your day at a glance where I can say, okay, at 11, I've got a call with XYZ. At 12, I'm filming this. At 1.30, I'm doing this session. And just having that on paper, at least for me, is like really key to keep me focused, keep me motivated. And to be honest, my mental health is just a little bit better when I am keeping track and kind of doing an inventory of my life and setting things up ahead of time rather than me just waking up, sleeping in a little bit and being like, fuck, what do I have to do today? Yeah, doesn't it, does it have space to write? Like, yeah. If, oh, okay, I'll say if you wanted to write like a little small journal entry about your day or whatever you're feeling, it has space for that? It does. So like mm. it has a little blank free space at the bottom of every single day. And so what oh, I do is nice. I do like a daily mantra and then I do like a gratitude of the day. So mm-hmm. like what my mantra is in the morning and then just something that I'm grateful for during that day. And that to me just keeps me a little bit more organized. It's nice to like have a little bit of a morning routine where you write something on paper, uh, you know, get off of your phone for 10 minutes while you do it. And you can get, I think they're pretty affordable, like 25, 30 bucks. And they're not dated. So you can they're start not. it whenever. So if you're like, oh, I'm not going to buy a journal it's already like or a planner it's already halfway through the first month you can totally still get it because they're not dated so yeah i think they're 15 weeks and what's cool about them is they have in like five week intervals they will do uh basically goal check-ins so like at the start of the planner you can write three big goals so i have mine segmented into like health goals uh work goals and like personal life goals and so i'll write you know within the next month i want to do this within the next year i want to do this and then within the next blank space i want to do xyz and then every about month, it basically asks you to reflect on that and kind of reevaluate what you did. So it's just cool. It adds a little bit of like 
consistency to my routine. It adds a little bit of accountability. So if you have trouble staying on top of your schedule or if you, you know, have some some kind of mental things where it's hard to kind of get the ball rolling, I think that doing something like this really helps out, especially if you are, you know, ADHD or bipolar, any of those things like we've talked about on this podcast. It can be nice to just have something where you don't really have to think about your day. You just kind of do it. So that's my recommendation. Look at that. Other than that, I enjoyed this podcast. I hope you uh, think twice before you buy your gear. I hope you buy once, cry once. Uh, Before you buy anything, guys. But yeah, this is about gear. So (laughs) let me stop. (laughs) Yeah, but I had a great time. Let us know what you guys want to see on our Instagram or you can send an email to the soundtable that make pop music with categories that you want to see us talk about. And then other than that, we will be back in a couple weeks. We have our first guest. It's either going to be BusyWorks Beats or Platinum. Uh, but you'll be getting one of those in the next couple of weeks and then the next one right after that. But we'll be back soon. Thank you so much for all the support on the podcast. We're glad to be back in 2023. Boop, boop. Much, much love. love. Peace. Peace.